0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. History Makers Since the Roman Legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., The Jewish people have a nation of their own And he said, well no Randy, we're not all just faking it There is a living hope and his name is Jesus And I believe that that's really why you're here
1: Christ died for us History Makers Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today my guest is John Dixon, well-known author and speaker and media guy, uh, working with the Centre for Public Christianity, a great bloke, also a former singer-songwriter. We're going to hear a bit of his story. Uh, Mate, uh, welcome to History Makers. Tell us a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? Uh,
0: Born on the north shore of Sydney, near the beach, loved it, Uh, grew up in a family that had no... Christianity at all. I'd never been to church or said a grace before a meal or Sunday school before I was about 15 or 16. Uh, so typical Aussie home uh, in a pretty nice part of Sydney, uh, loved life, uh, got hit hard when I was a youngster. My dad died in a plane crash when I was nine, and you know that obviously had a massive impact. but the rest of my family existence was loving and safe. Um, so I'm very
1: thankful. And tell us a bit about your faith journey. How did you come to Christ?
0: Uh, Well, you know, those scripture lessons that they sometimes have in state schools, uh, certainly in New South Wales, but uh, elsewhere around the country. Uh, I had this middle-aged mum from down the road who was a church volunteer who would come up for half an hour a week, talk to us uh, who were in the scripture lessons. We went to scripture lessons because non-scripture meant you had to do homework supervised by a real teacher, so it was obvious you went to the Christian person. And uh, usually I tried to ask the smart aleck questions, This woman had an answer to all my questions, and she did an incredible thing one day. She invited the whole class to her home for hamburgers, milkshakes, and scones, and uh, further questioning about the Christian faith. Uh, I wasn't that interested in the Christian faith at that point, but I was interested in hamburgers, milkshakes, and scones. So uh, my mates and I took over her house, her lounge room one day, uh, ate her food, and then she brought out the Bible. And I distinctly remember thinking that I'd been tricked, you know, filled with food so much I couldn't get up out of the couch. And here she brings out the Bible and she's going to Bible bash me and turn, turn me into some good person or whatever. But she didn't. She was beautiful. She just uh, outlined the story of Jesus, frankly, the the Gospels, the four Gospels in the New Testament. We went back the next Friday, the next, the next, the next. I think we went for about two years back to this woman's home on Friday afternoon. And I saw in her an incredible example of an intelligent knee warm, hospitable Christian who uh, you know, pointed us to the central feature of Christianity, which is Jesus himself. And uh, I think about six months into these hamburger-eating sessions, um, I was a fan of Jesus. I don't think I would have called myself a Christian. But about a year into it, I you know, started to think, no, actually, I really do think Jesus died and rose again for me, so I'm probably a Christian. I better own up to that.
1: And tell us how your life changed after that uh, revelation.
0: Uh, all too slowly, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, you know, look, I was a bit of a naughty boy as a 15 year old. Some people put it down to losing my dad a few years earlier. Uh, I was a bit of a wild kid. Uh, you know, I'd run away a few times from home, and I, I got in trouble with the cops. Uh, nothing super dramatic, but uh, I was just, I was just a rebel. Um, and whatever psychoanalysts might say oh, I just think um, I was a jerk <laughs> and, um, I just expressed myself in a bit of a wild way but after I came to know Christ um, certainly things changed instantly you know I, I wasn't uh, you know I knew that I couldn't be violent because he was Jesus and he was all about love uh, I I knew I had to begin to respect my mum and uh, so that was a hard lesson it took a long while to, to really put that into practice um, but look Above all, I, I just knew that I was now loved profoundly um, by the God of the universe, and you know, that sort of animated the whole of life. Then there were all sorts of other things that sort of you know, came out of nowhere that I wouldn't have expected. I, I suddenly became musical. I don't think that was magic, but I, 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 uh, my mates and I who had become Christians thought, let's start a band to, to let people know about the faith. We thought we invented Christian music. We had no idea there was other Christians who were musos. So we just started a band, and I learned an instrument. And um, within a few years, we were gigging uh, all around Sydney. And then within a few years after that, we were full time. So I spent the next few years, uh, you know, touring with a band, singing, speaking, um, and and so you know, Christianity really changed not only my life but uh, my my career, obviously.
1: So I remember seeing In the Silence, your band performing at Black Stump when I was a youth leader many years ago and thinking, wow, what a cool band, you know, and uh, I just uh, was so impressed uh, to uh, see, you know, good solid Christian music, good Christian lyrics, you know, uh, wh- what is, what was the uh, meaning behind the name In the Silence?
0: Um, you know, it was one of those things where it, it popped into our head, sounded cool, and Then we, I think, this is how it happened, it was many years ago now, but I think we then backfilled it with meaning. And the idea that we used to say was that uh, this period we're in now is the calm before the storm of Christ's return. Mm. We are in the silence before the kingdom comes.
1: And then I can remember seeing you host a TV show called Swordfish. I used to get up and record it on videotapes and uh, dream of being in the media myself one day. I was working in radio at the time and I wanted to do some TV one day. And it inspired me in what I'm doing today. So you're really one of my heroes, John. Uh, Tell us, what was it like working (laughs) on Swordfish?
0: It came out of nowhere. I'd never done any TV and they asked me to um, host this sort of music chat show. and I gave it a go, and you know I liked it, and I thought the show was pretty good, you know, apart from what they made me wear each week. Um, but it, you know, it gave me such um, experience in front of the camera that I never knew at the time that this would become quite a part of my life. You know, since then I've made three, you know, pretty lengthy documentaries uh, about, you know, the history behind Christ, about the life of Jesus itself, and more recently a, you know, full-scale documentary called for the love of God, how the church is better and worse than you ever imagined. So, you know, those swordfish days, I've got a credit uh, with, you know, with setting the direction of what I was going to do. And, and the producer of the show, a guy called Martin Johnson, I just, I just really, um, I'm really thankful for, for the opportunities he gave me.
1: Well, it's been inspirational to see how God's opened many doors for you over the years. Um, let's talk through those projects, uh, just to give a little snapshot. The Christ Files uh, aired on Channel 7 nationally. Uh, absolutely brilliant uh, about the uh, the facts behind the Christian faith, basically. Tell us a bit about how that came about.
0: Yeah, well, I wrote a book called The Christ Files, and um, uh, Alan Dalflake, who ran Anglican Media at the time, Read it, liked it, thought, you know, this would this be a good documentary because uh, it's all about how we know what we know about Jesus. So it's all about the historical evidence, uh, ancient Roman authors like Pliny and Tacitus, Jewish authors like Josephus, as well as the archaeological stuff. And he said, let's see if we can turn this into a doco. And I thought, yeah, fantastic. So he basically turned my book into a documentary that has me running around the world interviewing leading scholars, uh, standing in archaeological sites, handling ancient texts, uh, to answer the question, how do we know about Jesus? What does the secular historian uh, do in order to understand the meaning of Jesus? So that was, that was the first one, and uh, I'm very thankful for it.
1: And what was the second one?
0: Life of Jesus, which was six episodes. Uh, if Christ Files was about how we know, Life of Jesus is what we know. And so it was mostly shot in Israel, uh, trying to follow the story of Jesus from the beginning to the end, And answer the question, what do contemporary historians say is real in the life of Jesus? And we just track that right through his whining and dining with sinners, his reputation as a healer, his proclamation of the judgment of God coming on the world, his uh, claim that he would die for the sins of the world, the crazy claim of the early Christians that they'd seen him alive from the dead. We confront all of this content uh, from the perspective of the historian.
1: It's absolutely uh, uh, brilliant, you know. I've seen the, the footage, uh, and I've been to Israel twice on a couple of tours, uh, and it just changed my perspective of the Bible from black and white to being in full color. Uh, what was yeah, the experience I mean, it's, like, like for it's cool
0: you? To know where Capernaum is and what it's like, and where Nazareth is and what it was like, it, you know, it, it does allow you to kind of picture this ancient text that you're reading.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it's got to be something every Christian should as- aspire to one day, to head to Israel and walk where Jesus walked because it uh, just gives you perspective. Uh, now, the other thing that you did that uh, I was really impressed with was the you did a talk at the Global Leadership Summit with Willow Creek Church. Uh, there's only been ever a few Aussies that have had the platform there. What was that experience like?
0: Uh Frightening. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so, you know, what was crazy um, was that, uh, you know, only minutes before I went on, did they tell me, Look, don't worry so much about the 8,000 people in the auditorium you're speaking to. It's the 100,000 people watching live that you've really got to think about. So would you please use the five cameras as you deliver the talk? Because that's really how you're going to connect with the 100,000. I was like, what? I was just getting my head around speaking to 8,000. You know, now you're telling me to talk to camera one, then camera three. and So, you know, uh, I have no memory of it, to be honest, and I've never watched it back. So... Uh, I, you know, I've, I've heard nice things about how it went, but uh, it, it was one of those times where my brain was in another place, so I can't tell you anything about the talk itself. I know what I talked about, but I don't actually have any memory of giving it.
1: So, so what was the theme of the message that you brought? Humilitas. So I wrote a book on humility,
0: uh, which, which is, you know, ironic, um, and it's really about how humility came into the Western world, changed the Western world, and is a key factor in leadership to this day.
1: Fantastic. It's uh, wonderful to see Aussies punching above their weight, speaking at you know locations like that around the world. Uh, now, the other thing that you're connected to is the Centre for Public Christianity. Tell us a bit about how you got involved there.
0: Yeah, well, I started the Centre for Public Christianity about 11 years ago. Um, some friends and I uh, had this vision to start a centre that would be sensible and generous in its understanding of the Christian faith, and try and promote that to the wider world through the media, mainly. Writing articles, producing documentaries, books, uh, scholarship. Um, And we just slowly built it. So Simon Smart was one of the first uh, involved, Greg Clark and I. And then we just slowly started employing other content providers and directors. Uh, We employed Alan Douthwaite, who's the uh, media director who directed... Um, all three of the documentaries I've done, including the most recent one. Um, And we just built from there. So I was with them for 10 years. I've now stepped back from them. Simon Smart now runs it, but I still do some stuff uh, with the Centre for Public Christianity.
1: It's a wonderful organisation, and I know that you've uh, had some doors open uh, recently. Of course, you've been on uh, Studio 10, uh, talking Mm -hmm. about your recent docker, and you were on Q&A a a while back as well. Uh, Let's start with Q&A. What was that experience like?
0: Uh, Terrifying, like the (laughs) Leadership Summit. Um, You know, because they put me right next to a world-famous atheist, a guy called Lawrence Krauss, a professor of physics, and obviously they were looking for a bit of a fight. Uh, you know, an intellectual fight anyway. But to be honest, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, I, I've never really felt that arg- scientific arguments against God are very successful. And so I was very comfortable uh, talking about that. Um, and uh, it was a great opportunity to talk about Christians not really being afraid of science because we get all the science, plus we get Jesus Christ so we we get to know all about the mechanics of the universe like Lawrence Krauss is trying to tell us and we get to know the person behind the universe so christianity is science plus not uh, not uh, life without without science
1: that's wonderful. You know, I was so impressed with it. Was, I was yelling out, come on, go, John. You can, you can stand up, you, can, you know, because, uh, you know, it can be quite intimidating in that crowd there. And, uh, and I was really impressed. And, and then Studio 10 have had you on a couple of times recently uh, talking about your latest work. Uh, what's that involvement been like?
0: The, the new documentary, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, for the love of God, uh, subtitle gives it away, which is how the church is better and worse than you ever imagined. And it's a history of the terrible thing that have been done in Christ's name, um, and the beautiful things that have uh, been done in Christ's name. So, you know, witch trials, crusades, inquisitions, terrible stuff, Uh, but also um, the beautiful um, uh, influence of Christianity in giving us hospitals and schools and charities and, you know, shaping Western culture in a profound way. So uh, it's shot in, I think, 15 countries, there are three of us who present the documentary, and the overall theme is, look, the church has done terrible things and beautiful things, but we hope audiences will ask the question, which of those two things is true to the founder, Jesus Christ himself? Because I think anyone can tell, Jesus not only you know uh, taught that we should love one another and love our enemies, he actually died um, as a, as a display of that love, to bear into himself the judgment those who were opposed to him should deserve. That's the meaning of his cross. So um, I think anyone who understands that that's the center of Christianity knows how to interpret Christian history. When Christians are doing violent, hateful things, they're not following Jesus, they're disobeying him. When they're setting up hospitals and charities and seeking to love the world, they're obviously inspired by that beautiful tune that is what Christians call the gospel.
1: It's a wonderful idea, um, talking about how bad we've been and how good we've been. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's being real because a lot of people uh, just focus on the bad things that have happened and don't realize all the good things, Hey,
0: Yeah, so it's, it's easy to overreact as a Christian, to hear people criticizing Christians Uh, Christian behavior, and and we exaggerate our reply by saying, no, 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 you know, you don't understand, and we do great things, but actually, you know, the truth is the church has done terrible things in the past and today, and um, yet the truth is the church has done beautiful things in the past and today, and the the key question is, which is truer to Jesus Christ himself? Which was what Jesus actually asked us to do, and I think the answer to that is... um, is super clear.
1: A while back, you really challenged the guys at Hillsong to write a song about the Apostles' Creed. Was that you that instigated all that?
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> it was crazy. I, I just um, tweeted that uh, Hillsong would be doing world Christianity a favor if they produced a song based on the most used ancient summary of the Christian faith known in the world today, and that's the Apostles' Creed. I said, you know, if you could turn that into a song, that'd be awesome. Well, they tweeted back, "Um, yeah, we'll give it a go. A couple of months later, they rang me and said, "Uh, we've got a demo of it. Do you want to come and have a listen? So they took me out to breakfast. I had a listen. Uh, They listened to, you know, my own comments. I loved the song, but they also listened to some of the comments I made about it. And uh, a couple of months after that, it came out, and it was just that hugely... Successful and beautiful song, this I believe, um, which many churches around the world sing in multiple languages. And it, it, in some ways, it's elevated the status of the Apostles' Creed in churches that don't actually say the Apostles' Creed anymore. <laughs> you know, it used to be that all churches said the Apostles' Creed in church services. I mean, I know that's not very common anymore outside of the you know, mainstream churches, the you know, Anglican, Lutheran, Presbyterian, and so on. But uh, but now it's um, they've, they've made the Apostles' Creed even more famous, which I'm very thankful for. And The guys at Hillsong, I just love them. I, I, I know they get some criticism, but having come to know them, you know, they love Christ, they really do want to understand what His Word is, is saying, and they want to reach the world. So um, I, I count them dear friends.
1: So I've got a brilliant idea, mate. I reckon uh, we need to get in the silence to reform and do a cover of Creed and then make a video clip, start up Swordfish again, and you can play the video clip on your own show. What do you think?
0: <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, I don't know what I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm speechless. Oh, that's great. No, uh, fantastic to be able to catch up with you, John. And uh, if people want to find out more about your ministry, the website is johndixon.org. There you can see links to all the books, uh, DVDs and uh, music uh, and different information about uh, John's uh, life. Uh, absolutely wonderful to connect with you, mate. I reckon you're a history oh, maker. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. God bless.